Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fix Medical Group podcast. This is Patrick, and I'm here with Dr. Sam Wag, and today we're tackling alcohol, or more so, how to stay away from it a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've been covering this month a lot about detoxifications. We've covered sugar and other fried foods and these things, but today we're really focusing on alcohol. It's a big part of our daily life. You see ads on it everywhere. We have it probably a little too frequently, and many of us probably don't even think it's we're having it that much, but when you break it down and you actually look at your life, like that might be a little excessive, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to really, um, like Pat said, it's very common in our life, and alcohol has become really normalized in our culture. So we're going to help people understand exactly why it's bad, because we all have that base level understanding, like, I know it is bad, or it's not as good for me. And just like last week, we talked about sugar. So we want to get down to the details, why it's bad, and then um, help people understand just what it's doing to you. So you have that uh, knowledge to make the kind of course correction or change out some habits. Yeah, if you just know it's bad, it's a little bit easier to kind of keep doing it. But when you actually know how bad it is and why, I guess, what it's causing, it makes it a little bit more upfront in your brain when you are thinking about having another drink or going out. You're like, eh, maybe I don't need to do that. Yeah, and hopefully for everybody, we'll give you um, this tie-in. We're seeing how alcohol is affecting all these different aspects of our life um, and what you're feeling, your mood, our energy, all that stuff. And then you really get to ask yourself, is this is it worth having this drink as far as the goals that you're going for? If we're trying to lose weight, build muscle, whatever that is. Um, I think the first thing we can just say, like, why is it bad? It's a one word. It's a poison. <laughs> it simplified right yeah. there. We don't like poisons in our life, right? You don't. And if you think about alcohol as a poison, you kind of have a little second thoughts about having that second drink. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, uh, when we talked about sugar last week, we were saying that sugar is inflammatory. You know, our body doesn't really know how to sort that quite as much, and it can create a lot of issues. Well, alcohol, when that comes in, our body recognizes that as a poison, and it needs to deal with that before anything else. So just simply from that perspective, when you have alcohol, every other process is kind of put on hold until we deal with that poison and get through that. So that makes a really big difference if you're just thinking your progress on anything else is paused while we deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess another big one, this is kind of a grandiose idea, but if you look at what all it costs, we don't need to get into the details right now, but heart disease, cancer, dementia, depression, addiction, there's a million other list of things that could go wrong and it's caused by excessive alcohol use. You don't need to know the details, although those are really bad. And so yeah. you should know that it's doing something so bad to your body that it's causing those life threatening diseases in our body. Yeah. And um, when Patrick and I give our dinner talks or webinars, there's a slide that we refer to a lot and it shows those uh, seven common causes of, or the top seven causes of death in our country. And what's very interesting is at the bottom of the slide, it goes over the key lifestyle factors and all these things that we can change is tobacco use, alcohol use, our nutrition and our fitness. And every one of us has control of those four factors. So that's why we're talking about this today. It's vitally important, whether um, you're someone who drinks a little bit, a lot of bit, or you're just looking out for optimum health and you want to know why. Um, so I guess, Sam, what is one big, I guess, kind of focus thing of what alcohol does to us, whether it be like, you know, we know what dehydrates you, everyone knows, oh, I should drink water, you know, when I have a hangover, but, um, another big process that we know about alcohol. Um, so one people don't think about quite as much, like in the moment, it's pretty obvious, uh, memory. So kind of our brain function in the moment when someone's drunk, it's pretty clear their brain function isn't quite as good as it usually is. 
But when we drink, uh, something that our brain struggles to do is take events that happen in the short term and convert them into long-term memories. And if anyone's experienced, like, not remembering some chunks of the night, when you wake up the next day after a long night of drinking, celebrating, whatever we're going to call that, um, and we don't remember some stuff, that creates a lot of anxiety because your brain is seeking those missing chunks and it's trying to fill it in. And that creates a very anxious feeling because you, you don't really know what happened in your own body in a period of time. But at the end of the day, that ability to take those memories and convert and we're going to talk about kind of celebrating later and when alcohol is more appropriate. But this is important to think about because a lot of times when we're celebrating, we're with people and it's a great, like special event. Think about like a family reunion or something with maybe getting together with friends and family that you grew up with where it happens very, very infrequently. So imagine enjoying that night. You know, it's the best time when you're in the moment, but because you were drinking, you didn't convert any of those short-term memories to long-term and ultimately that night is just that night and you really have a hard time to remember so that's where um, I kind of challenge people to think about it on those times like how do you want to remember this night and do you want to remember it Um, because it definitely impacts that ability and you can see where when this comes to learning it makes a really big difference so um, you know I see this it's common, you know, have some drinks in the afternoon. Uh, Patrick and I are part of a, a social club downtown and we, they're always seeing people drink and work. Right. And really at the end of the day, um, you are lessening how much of that's going to get converted to a degree. Uh, yeah. That's why most workplaces don't allow alcohol there. <laughs> they're trying to be productive and make money. And that's the main purpose of a business. Crazy concept. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Social um, club, as I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a big one that a lot of people don't kind of, put in their mind is how badly it affects our gut like especially the microbiome or the good bacteria in your body you're killing mm-hmm. that off it's on the inside of us you don't really think about these little bacteria in our body too much but we know how much it affects us whether it be you know the brain gut barrier how we're healing overall inflammation actual gut issues ulcers those kind of things and alcohol just destroys all of that and you have mm-hmm. to work so much harder to actually rebuild it it's easier yeah. to kill it off than it is to rebuild and when you're consistently drinking alcohol, like even if it's just a couple drinks, but it's seven days a week, five days a week, you're consistently limiting your body's access to the, that good gut bacteria and you're causing yourself tons of harm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it is it's really that consistency of intake because um, with, with our gut biome, just like Pat said, it's hard to build that good bacteria. So imagine um, like planting a forest. It's a lot of work to make that proper, um, the soil proper, get all your trees planted, and actually tend to that to build up a forest. Drinking is like a forest fire. Pretty quickly, you've lost a lot of hard work. Um, you know, it's with a step example, it's way more than a three step forward, one step back. It's a very, you know, negative process there. And as Pat's saying with a consistency, it's not so much the volume of alcohol that you put in, but just consistently adding that little bit. I think in the studies, even as much as just like a shot of alcohol is enough to kind of create that forest fire, so to speak, in the stomach and get rid of a lot of that good bacteria. I had a patient ask as we were working through a detox, said one to 10, how bad is it for me to have a beer? And I'm like, to be honest, really, it's a 10 because we've worked really hard in eliminating some inflammatory foods. We've supplied your body with so much good gut bacteria and you've actually paid for a lot of supplementation to help build that. And I know it's one beer 
And it's really, it's going to erase a lot of that progress. Yeah, no doubt. Um, this is a disclaimer to all the listeners. Sam and I do enjoy a beverage now and then. So before yes. you run away, because we're talking about the negatives and Sam mentioned, oh, one beer is a 10. You're like, I'm not listening to these guys anymore. Right. <laughs> realize it's about habits and moderation and being in control and understanding the big picture. But yes, Sam yeah. and I do have a drink <laughs> once in a while. And also for context, that's somebody asking me one to 10, how bad is it to have a beer as I'm going through this detoxification process? Not saying zero to 10, how bad is a beer, you know, kind of on the scale of life. So, yes, Patrick and I definitely enjoy, and we're going to share with you some of these habits that we can kind of implement to make that easier, but also how we determine when we enjoy, because that's what's really important as well. Yeah, so, I mean. Do you want to share anything else on the, like another a negative that we feel? Or I guess it can kind of do a combo one, sleep. Yes. Stream messing up your sleep, and that yeah. not only affects recovery, immunity, but also your hormones. We're kind of tying this all hormones affect everything in yep. your life and alcohol is going to have a drastic effect on that. It's going to decrease its overall production, but it also can um, basically transfer or change some of our hormones into another one. The big one being testosterone, which is very good for muscle building, fat burning, but turns it into estrogen when you're having alcohol. It's called aromatization. And so if you're consistently doing that, especially for, well, let's just say a male that likes to, you know, be buff and all that, you are going downhill and you're fighting uphill battle, I guess. And, um, for women, we don't want to have too much excess estrogen. Um, it can cause a ton of problems, PCOS, all these other things, how you feel mood. Um, but sleep and hormones is another huge fact. We can go, we could spend an hour on just the different things that alcohol does to our body. But I think big takeaway, it's bad for you. Let's figure out how to moderate that and actually live your life in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, on the sleep as well, it disrupts that ability to get into that deep REM sleep. So even though people feel like, man, I passed out hard after drinking, it's not the same depth of sleep that you get. It's not a restorative sleep. And then your body pretty quickly tries to get rid of that poison. It's going to increase your um, your body temperature so you can kind of sweat it out. It'll give you the shakes a little bit so you metabolize blood sugar. It will maybe have you puke or go to the bathroom to eliminate. So your body's in a hurry to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, Pat and I, I give one your, uh, your little story. You, you use your aura ring to track yes. your sleep and, um, kind of, I remember you telling me how much just you figured yeah. out how many drinks actually affect you. How I was able to, um, just kind of ballpark with different, uh, it's interesting how different like spirits affect you or the timing. Uh, I noticed for me, maybe, you know, like two glasses of red wine, probably let's say like two hours before bed, almost no effect on my sleep. It didn't necessarily increase my heart rate. It didn't increase my body temperature overnight. But if I contrast that to maybe two glasses of whiskey with like the same time before bed, it's a noticeable difference uh, where my readiness score won't be quite, quite the same. My sleep itself won't be quite the same because that body temperature increase. And ultimately what that's telling me is my body's working a lot harder to metabolize that, that poison that came in. Um, so what's interesting and like Pat mentioned, you know, we're not here to tell you to never, to never, ever drink, to never enjoy, but knowledge is power. And if you don't understand how some of these things are affecting you at the end of the day, we only get one body to experience our life through. So we just want to help everybody be able to optimize that as much as you can. Um, it's interesting to see how that, the data shifts though, with little things like that. And, uh, you know, I can't say that'd be exactly the same for someone else. Uh, I would tend to think whiskey is definitely going to be more inflammatory, but everyone's different. So it's interesting to kind of play with those things on your own. Um, 
Do you want to go through maybe some examples and then we can kind of share the ways that people can change uh, or make changes with us, some of the options? Yeah. Um, I mean, we can just get right to the big one. Stop it. Quit. <laughs> yeah. Just quit alcohol. Quit alcohol. Uh, Show's over, to team. Done. <laughs> That's always, uh, you know, we always have the extreme option and just going zero. Um, we definitely encourage people to have time that you take off. It doesn't have to be zero for the rest of your life, but start with something small. Do it, you know, if you're a really consistent drinker daily, just start with no for a week. You know, can you go no alcohol for a week? Um, most of our most of our clients, as they work through our program, they have about a month off of alcohol right around there. Uh, we encourage more. Um, personally, I go, you know, maybe a month to two, sometimes three each year to really give my organs a little time off to reset. But what I find whenever you do that, and I'm not saying this in a way of I just take some time off and I go right back to some high volume intake. It's taking some time off to really um, realize your relationship with it, with alcohol. And when you take those times off, number one, you realize how normalized it is in our country and how it's just everywhere. It's with every meal. It's so many of our activities are based around it. And how many things you choose not to do if you weren't drinking. <laughs> so it really shifts all of a sudden your day is full of like a lot of activities and a lot of stuff and less of like kind of sitting, just consuming. So I really encourage people to go through that and see how, you know, it takes, uh, it's a process of going through and trying to change it. But the more you do that, the, the easier it's going to be to have a better relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's just understanding the big picture. We kind of Sam says we kind of norm uh, alcohol is normalized, but like addiction or excessive drinking, you look at it just at the very end of the spectrum. Like, oh, I'm not an excessive drinker. I'm not one of those alcoholics that can't go two hours or have these crazy withdrawals. But just understand that there is a spectrum of it, and you don't want to be <laughs> going towards that end. You may not be in, I guess, what we would call fully addicted or having withdrawal symptoms, but still there is excessive if you're having it <laughs> multiple times per week or you know a bunch at each time just understanding where you're at at that level and like you kind of mentioned enjoy it don't just make it a part of your natural day like it's fun to actually sit down and have a glass of whiskey once in a while but if you're yeah. doing that daily it's like oh that's just like breathing a lot yeah. of us forget about how important breathing is but <laughs> i took breathing away from you and you then you got it back you're like oh man I, i'm a big fan right yeah it definitely loses its luster. Uh, I've shared this with a lot of patients um, who wanted to go into the restart program, and that was a big concern. They're like, oh, I don't know about giving up alcohol. And um, I, I'll share with them different experiences I've had. But uh, more recently, the last time I had I'd worked through the restart program, and I do this periodically so I can you know, see, make sure our product, what we're putting out, makes sense for people, but also to come up for more of these solutions because there's so many different scenarios. But anyways, in relation to alcohol, the last time I went through, I distinctly remembered three times. And in our program, like I said, people are about a month off. I didn't drink for the entire program. So for three months, and I remembered three times that I actually would have wanted to. Uh, once was when I was with uh, our whole company, we were all together and we were in somewhere in Texas and, or no, we were in Arizona and we went out and then um, we went to a hockey game and uh, it seemed un like un-American to not have like a beer and watch a sporting event, um, but especially hockey, you know, it just felt like we should be. So that was a time that, you know, I felt it was warranted. I wanted to have it, but didn't. Uh, and then another time with my girlfriend, we were in Idlewild, you know, I had a great restaurant outside. It was just good scenery, like kind of people watching. And we had finished our meal. We really just want to hang out there more and watch. And it was a time that it would have been enjoyable and we would have been, would have had a good time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't to, to blackout. 
to get drunk, but to have a couple drinks uh, would have been enjoyable at those times. So the more you do this and you find like, hey, that one, that would have really made a difference. But other times it's, it's very minor in your experience. Yeah. My big ones are, it's more boredom. Like I find myself when I'm doing things, if I do go out and I have made the decision in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to drink, but I can go out with friends or I can go out to dinner, do whatever we're doing. If I've made that kind of conscious decision, I'm not going to drink. It's been pretty easy, but it's the time when I may be sitting around at home and didn't want, you know, maybe just watching TV and I'm like, you know what? I could really go for a beer. That was the hardest time for me. It was just, I think my mind was just bored and used to an old way of things. So it's just about making that kind of conscious decision that you can get through it. You just got to kind of plan it out and kind of stick, stick to your guns. Just like uh, you're saying, whether it's like a people get bored or it's your hat, like the habit, you just get into going certain things or having alcohol associated with it. And you realize that you you don't need a drink for that activity or alcohol doesn't have to be involved. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect transition. Habits. A lot of the habit of drinking, especially if you're out with family or anything like that, is having that cup <laughs> or glass in your hand. Yes. Um, you just don't even think about it, but it feels more natural, especially when everyone around you, if you're standing in a circle talking about the good old times with your mm-hmm. family, or, um, and you don't have that beer or, that can- or a cup in your hand. So easy thing is fill it up with water, soda water, soda and lime, yep. you're, you know, a vodka and uh, soda kind of person. But just that physical like habit of having that in your hand can be a drastic change uh, yeah. for you. Also, um, you know, it makes a big difference socially. Uh, there's such a stigma of like not drinking or, or drinking. And when you tell someone like, oh, oh my God, you're not drinking. Do you have a problem? Like, yeah. No, I actually am just trying to be healthy today. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it is kind of interesting from what we talked about. You know, the first thing we said is it's poison, right? But we are not, we're not happy when someone we love and care about is choosing to poison themselves less. <laughs> like, what are you crazy? Why are you stopping that? Uh, it's kind of funny, but, um, and terrible at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to make this a bit easier, you know, if you still want to go out with your friends and you're not going to drink, it is, uh, from a social perspective, simpler to just get that soda, water, lime, whatever. It doesn't make it all about you and the questioning of why you're not doing something. So if that's a concern, it's going to be a difference with your friends, whatever, that makes it really easy. Mm-hmm. Let's get into ways that we are going to allow you to drink and enjoy life and do that occasionally. But like actually the plan, I mentioned planning, you know, when you're yeah. talking about the cup and everything, but actually planning, you know, you're going to out. There's a bunch of little tips and tricks. Yep. So a couple of things. Number one, planning to celebrate, like making that decision of this is a time, you know, it's very, I want to say once in a lifetime is a stretch, but it's a, very unique time. Um, it's a little simple to just be like, oh, it's blah, blah, blah's birthday. Like, you know, we're recording this in San Diego. It's always someone's birthday, some event, something social where you could drink. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so in your face all the time. So when you make that decision, uh, really have to pick out, like, is this going to occur again? Is it really going to make the experience, you know, is it something that I want to do drinking? When we know that we're going to do that, um, we want to plan by, you know, being hydrated. We want to get good meals in that day. So we have all the nutrition already. So we're not taking ourselves from a shitty place, poisoning ourselves, and then trying to dig ourselves out of that grave the next day. So make sure you hydrate, make sure you eat two supplements. I really recommend are having chlorella and spirulina. If you take chlorella before you drink, you want to do 12 milligrams. That's a little bit more than the dosage. That will um, remove those heavy metals, the toxins from the bloodstream. And there's basically in the studies, 98% chance you will not experience a hangover. 
probably my favorite tip I share with people, um, especially uh, they're trying to make this transition. But if you're going to celebrate, waking up and not feeling miserable is a nice thing. But this also mitigates a lot of that damage that the alcohol is doing. Yeah. And to back that up, Argusta, I don't want to say 98% chance of no hangover. That was done in a research study. I'm pretty sure they weren't drinking it too excessively where they're passing out because you will have a hangover. But who's <laughs> going to happen to do that or get to that level? Chlorella and spirulina is going to help limit it. We're not saying you won't get a, a hangover, but you might be able to mitigate it a little bit. Yeah, so you're mitigate a lot of the symptoms. Um, you know, there's you can push past it with certain intakes, but uh, from from what I've seen, vastly makes a big difference. And then spirulina really helps your body to truly activates the release of your red and white blood cells. So it just increases your immunity. You know, the alcohol decreases that a bit. So we want to bolster you, not leave you kind of susceptible to catching anything just because your your immune system was a little depressed because of the consumption mm-hmm. um another thing that is pretty common is something called pre-gaming i think we did that a lot um when we were younger because we probably didn't have as much finance availability and so it was about a way to uh limit how much you were going to spend out at a restaurant or a bar but usually it did the opposite you lowered your ambitions by pre-gaming and then you got to the bar and now you were just flying your credit cards and yep. cash everywhere and you ha- ended up having more so Pre-gaming doesn't have to be a big thing. You can have a glass or something, but you don't have to go overindulge because most likely you're just going to overindulge even more when you actually go out to those, uh, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, you know, the last thing I want to say in summary, because people, uh, a lot of the things that we've said to give it like a context of like a range, most of the studies or anything that you find are typically like one drink a day or like one drink where they almost determine, I would say moderate as like four. So that might be way lower than most people's definition or higher or right exactly where you think. But just understand that that's what most of the studies are thinking of. Um, Pretty much in a nutshell, if you are under 30, having a drink a day doesn't really benefit you. The risk versus reward isn't there. But if you're 60 plus one drink a day, there are some benefits to say that glass of wine. So it depends where you're at. But um, that's what we got for alcohol. Yeah, well, uh, thank you very much, Sam. Um, So this whole month we've been covering uh, detoxification. So we're going to continue that on our next episode, but we're going to be covering the actual process of detoxification um, and actually how you can amplify it. Because a lot of what we've been talking about in these last few weeks is how kind of you can avoid certain things that our body needs to detox from. But next week is actually what you can do to amplify and actually improve the overall detoxification process. So Don't forget to tune in for that one, and we'll see you guys next week. This is Dr. Patrick Ugarola and Dr. Sam Wad with the Fix Medical Group podcast.